and welcome to the Dunker Punks podcast. I'm your host, M. Gresh, and have I got a show for you. When we stand up to systemic violence, we rarely do it alone. Jesus taught us that we should go to speak to others in groups, and our interview today shows the importance of working together. Today, we will be hearing from a group of activists as they discuss gun violence and their efforts for change. This story is personal to myself and many others who grew up in the shadow of Columbine, with schools implementing various security measures to prevent further acts of violence. As they share their stories, I hope that you will find some catharsis. I'll let our friends introduce themselves. My name is Beth Gaber, and I'm the Written Communications Organizer at On Earth Peace. I will be moderating today's discussion. I'd like to get started by asking everyone to introduce themselves and share their personal experience with gun violence. Hello, everyone. My name is Malia. I'm the Gun Violence Prevention Organizer with On Earth Peace. Um, I think my history with guns um, has, well, started as a small kid in the school system in the U.S., uh, I constantly had to participate in lockdown drills, um, and that was a terrifying thing to do as a child. Hello, everyone. My name is Samar. I'm the Canadian Nonviolence Organizer. Um, my history with guns is more recent. Um, I did not grow up in the United States, but come to the United States for college. Um, I was living on this about this fear about like gun violence on college campuses, and especially with the events that are happening recently. Um, the Monday like gun violence event at University of North Carolina Chapel Hill and all the growing violence around in like the surrounding area has like caused fear between both students and faculty. Hello everyone, my name is Anesu and I am the uh, organizing fellow for On Earth Peace. And similar to Samara, I didn't grow up in uh, the United States, uh, but in Zimbabwe there, there was this period right after the liberation war where the generation after before us were the ones who had dealt a lot with guns. So their fear, their understanding of guns was still something prevalent as we were growing up. But my first kind of history with it came in when I was in the United States and living within um, New England as a Black American, uh, or taken as a Black American, how that seems to influence the idea of guns and guns around you. Hi, everyone. My name is Mandy Park, and I'm the organizer of the Church of the Brethren Gun Violence Prevention Action Team. And I didn't really think a whole lot about guns until I had uh, kids in elementary school, a starting school, who had to do school, you know, active shooter drills. And so that's been a part of my life as a parent since they were little, um, uh, which is very concerning to me. Um, thank you, everyone. I personally experienced gun violence about a year and a half ago at my college, um, an event that left a deep impression both on our campus and in our community. Evidently, we all have a stake in gun violence prevention, and today we will be discussing On Earth Peace's gun violence prevention efforts and how we promote catharsis throughout this process. Um, Samar, would you like to begin by sharing what OEP is? Yes, so at On Earth Peace, our vision is a world in beloved community liberated from oppression, violence, and war. And we strive to develop and walk with leaders and communities who work for justice and peace. We do this in a variety of ways. Um, 
So we do have Canadian nonviolence trainings. That's something that I'm responsible for like running and helping with. And those could be introductions, introducing the community to the six principles of Canadian nonviolence. Um, we conduct 16 hour training. So that's more in depth. Uh, we talk to community organizers, community leaders, and sort of walk them through Canadian nonviolence and how this could be a helpful way of affecting change in their communities nonviolently. Um, we focus on four main pillars. So the first one is developing spiritual leadership. The second one is taking action for justice and peace. The third one is emboldening the church of the brethren. And the fourth one is institutionalizing anti-racism and anti-oppression. And one of the cool ways that Honor of Peace uh, allows other people within the organization to connect with new ideas is the intern program. So interns come in uh, just as uh, many of us do here in this podcast, where we start bringing in our ideas and the things that we're passionate about to the program to say, we want to talk about this. So this idea is something that I have a passion for. Can we do a, a project that we can uh, include people within On Earth Peace, but also outside of On Earth Peace? And one of those interns was Tamara. Uh, she was the first organizing fellow who came in with this idea that gun violence is something that we need to speak about more. Uh, can we have something, a project we can work on to get towards creating a campaign for it? And so the brain, um, powers kind of came together, the people who were to be uh, put in the table to have that conversation were brought in and the idea started to develop. And then the next, after the two years of the internship program, that idea was continued by Hadil, who then took it over to a next stage where it was more of like putting the ideas into action. How do we actually get the ideas from the uh, ground up into uh, an active mode? And so a lot of the things that they did was connecting with other organizations outside of Honor Peace, as well as finding ways to empower others to do things in their own community as well. And now after her two year uh, time is done, uh, myself and Malia, who's our um, gun violence prevention intern, was able to bring in new ideas and seeing how we can take this further. And we'll speak more about this as we come. I pass it on to you, Malia, for those. Yes. Um, one of the ways we have kept our gun violence campaign um, up and running is by having monthly meetups. Um, so during these monthly meetups, um, anyone is welcome to join. Um, and here we update people on what we're doing. Um, but we also give people a time to reflect on their work uh, with gun violence prevention and connect with other activists. Um, and a lot of people um, come into these meetings um, really needing community and needing a place, needing a place to share. Um, and I think people who join these meetings um, end up finding that space um, and finding that catharsis through community. One of the offshoots of this group, it, the monthly meetups, is that we had a lot of Church of the Brethren folk who um, came to these meetings and they expressed a um, particular interest in galvanizing the denomination around this issue, um, concerns that we weren't speaking up enough we weren't doing anything as a denomination, despite our peace stance, ironically. Um, and so um, I sort of accidentally fell into organizing what is now known as the Church of the Brethren Gun Violence Prevention Action Team, which is a mouthful. <laughs> we are open to suggestions. Please submit those to me. Uh, and uh, we are now a group of Church of the Brethren folk seeking to galvanize the Church of the Brethren specifically around this issue as a part of this larger on earth peace gun violence, gun violence prevention campaign. Um, the way I got involved in that is, as I said before, I didn't think a whole lot about guns or gun violence growing up. I'm the old lady of the group at 40 years old. And um, my first experience really would have been Columbine uh, when I was in 10th grade. 
And even then I thought, oh, this is just an isolated incident. It's never going to happen again. Tragic. Of course, as we all know, it did happen again and again and again. Um, and I've always had a growing concern about it. But for some reason, <clears throat> whenever Uvalde happened, probably because I had a child in the same grade as the children who were killed, um, it really hit me hard. I finally, I, I raged and I cried and I was afraid and I I had to do something with that energy. Um, I needed, needed something to do. I had to do something. Um, and it just so happened that I was, this was all coming together um, uh, a few months later, uh, the gun violence prevention work at Honor Peace. And that's where I found my outlet. <laughs> I was like, we're going to do something. And even if that's just getting the church or the brethren to do something, at least it's doing something. And that's how I got involved in that um, and why we are still going. Um, yes. And Anesu and I have uh, been kind of participating in these meetings um, and seeing what the COB Gun Violence Prevention Action Team has been doing. And for me, um, it's been amazing to see um, kind of how everyone in the team um, is passionate about the same issue about gun violence prevention, um, but kind of takes action in a slightly different way. Um, so there was someone who decided to put together uh, a vigil to raise awareness within their church. And then there was someone else in the group who decided that they wanted to buy and distribute pins that said end gun violence. So this really has shown me that there's no one way to be an activist and there's no one right way um, to prevent uh, to prevent gun violence and really it's doing everything doing all of these actions um, as you can and doing it in community that really matters do you have any thoughts on this yes i uh, know some of the things that have come from this uh, group have always been the way that catharsis comes up in different ways so as malia was suggesting that there were people who come up with uh ways of sharing catharsis individually, share catharsis in telling their own story or experiences that they've had with gun violence and how they would like to prevent it and the space for them to share is catharsis. And then there are others who share it in a group sense where you find, uh, in a sense that Mandy was speaking as well, where you find others who are similar minded and want to do something. And you start to galvanize and talk about stories together and putting community into aspect there is how, as its own catharsis to know that as a big group, you're doing something bigger than yourself. And then the last part is as well, we see that a lot of creativity comes into the space there when ideas are coming in from different uh, people to say, I can do this. I can't do the whole thing myself, but I can put in this. I can pitch in this way. And that way, a whole bigger part is created where the creativity that culminates from the whole group allows for a larger impact to be had. Uh, pass it on to Mandy to talk about some of the things that we've seen in the creative realm. So one of the ways that the group um, as Anessu was saying, kind of pitched in all their different skills and, and creative, creative ideas is we organized as our sort of launch event, a vigil and public witness at annual conference in Cincinnati this past July. And it was wonderful to see how that all came together. Um, we had people who helped, who were not even part of our necessarily our core team who helped um, as, as people, marshals on the way. And we had public speakers coming from the local area to share their stories. Um, we had people who attended over 100 from the conference itself, from uh, a child on their parents' shoulders to, you know, older people in walkers. And it was wonderful seeing the, 
how intergenerationally that came together. Everybody was concerned um, from the smallest to the oldest. Um, and in that way, we called for change. We not just remembered um, the victims, but we also were calling for change publicly. Um, it wasn't a protest, but it was a, we are the church of the brethren. We are here and we need to do something. Um, so it was like a, here we are. You've probably never heard of us, Cincinnati, but <laughs> this is something that we think is important. Our faith calls us to do. So it was neat to see all the different ways in which everyone's creativity and skills came together to support that event, which I, was a really wonderful way to, to start us off. Yeah, thank you, Mandy. Um, so staff, fellows, and interns at OEP are constantly working to find new ways to address gun violence. This process, often arduous and mentally taxing, is driven by a strong desire for change. Um, Anessi, would you like to share a bit about what inspires you to keep up with this effort? Yes, thank you, Beth. Um, one way that I've found that working within a group for me really inspires me is seeing the different ideas that we can come up with together. Finding ways that uh, you raise an idea, it's not immediately shut down. In other spaces, you find that with such a big uh, project, with such a big uh, thing that you're trying to tackle, somebody always has a stake that they want to say is above somebody else's. But you don't find that energy at Honor of Peace. Uh, a lot of the interns and fellows are really ready to help you with an idea that you come up with. The mentors are really uh, ready to also develop the ideas that you want, giving you the space to be creative, but also giving you the ability to have the resources to meet that project or meet that goal that you want to get to. So that community aspect really comes out in the way that you can see the conversations, you can see uh, the ideas taken up, you can see the way that we put the things together. There's a lot of love and a lot of intention that comes into that. And the purpose for those things is always to see a better world. And one of these things we've been building uh, together as a team is affinity groups. Um, so this is a new effort by On Earth Peace. Um, and basically what we're doing is we're encouraging people to form groups of three to 10 people um, where each group has a shared identity. Um, so that could be mothers, that could be students, all members of the same congregation, but really it can be anything. And each group chooses a focus that's important to them. So for example, um, working on preventing gun deaths by suicide, working on storing guns safely, on preventing school shootings. Um, and we hope that these affinity groups can be a way for people to really come together with people in their community and work on issues that they're passionate about. Um, and that way everyone kind of has a stake in preventing, in preventing gun violence. Yeah, and on another note, because of the roadblocks inherent to this type of work, it can be difficult to stay motivated in the face of seemingly constant violence. However, at OEP, we work to support each other to keep up with these endeavors. Every week, we schedule intern check-ins and meetings to not only discuss what we've been working on um, in our progress, but to check in on one another. Having the support system is incredibly helpful when dealing with a topic that is so strenuous for our mental health. Um, yeah, Samara, what do you think? How else do we support each other at OEP? We also look at like the wider community of Kenyan nonviolence organizers and brethren people. So um, we know that we're all in it for the same goals and um, the same things motivate us. And we often deal with very heavy topics like gun violence, um, other structural issues. And it's also constant work. Uh, you're never going to like reach an end and be like, we're done with this issue. Um, so it's very tiring work 
um, requires a lot of collaboration. And so I think it's very important to sort of stay in touch with each other and to support each other. Um, one of the ways we do this, the first thing that comes to mind is our Canadian Nonviolence Committee, where we meet and sort of um, do very long check-ins about like personal and professional issues. Um, it does help being able to sort of update people on your progress um, and the things that have been going on in your life, both professionally, you can be like, um, here's this effort that's happening in this community and this is what I'm doing with it. And you can also update them on like the personal things that you're doing. So they heard about like my summer project and then they heard about like my going back to school and all that. So um, I think it's definitely helpful being able to be in those like networks and see that you're a part of a bigger mission. Awesome. Thank you, Samar and everyone. Um, thank you for sharing your passion for the subject is palpable and um, I'm excited to move forward with everyone on these initiatives. Uh, to learn more about OEP and our work, please visit our website at onearthpeace.org. And to close out, I'd like to ask everyone a final question. What is one word or a song you'd use to describe this gun violence prevention endeavor moving forward? Um, since joining OEP, I think the main word that has been on my mind is hopeful. I'd like to say for me, it has been a creative involvement. I want to say the word that comes to mind is supported. I have a song that has been my theme song. It's Make a Difference by Rachel Kurtz that I would encourage you to look up. It's a phenomenal song and it's been my encouragement to just keep going because I want my life to make a difference here. My word would have to be motivated. And now we are going to share a poem um, written by Mandy. Um, this is a poem that Mandy shared at annual conference, but that uh, Anesu has arranged um, and we'd like to share it all with you. Right, um, Mandy, do you wanna get us started? Yes. Okay. After school, my fifth grader approaches me in dismay and says, Mom, my friend said there was another school shooting. Another school shooting, another. I often wonder as a parent, if and when to share the news of school shootings with my kids, is it too much for them? Will it just make them more anxious? Is it best to leave them ignorant and carefree? Another one? Yes, my son, there was. My already heavy heart is doubling in weight. It happens so frequently now that it's a decision that's no longer in my hands. It's a reality that our children simply have to live with, like the possibility of fire and tornadoes. Another one? My fifth grader is in that stage of being almost a teenager. Sometimes he's still a little boy. More and more, he's a young man. I'm proud of him. I'm afraid for him. We all agree that it's so stupid and it's just getting worse. Why doesn't someone do something? Why? Why indeed? Because we adults decided collectively that it was better for children to practice intruder drills than to fix the underlying problem. We decided collectively that the mental, emotional, and physical well-being of our children was not too high a price to pay so long as we didn't have to do anything too difficult. Throwing up our hands, instead we say things like, After all, bad people are going to do bad things. 
what can we do, really, other than hope and pray? But I don't say any of that. Instead, I look into his eyes, a profound sense of sorrow filling me, and I confess. I'm so sorry, sweetheart. Us older generations have failed you. We haven't done anything. I'm trying now, but I'm afraid it might fall to your generation to make the changes we need, and that it shouldn't have to be that way. Secretly, I despair. Will even they be able to fix it? But I don't say that either. If we let children decide just this once what they thought would, was best for them, what would they do? We've asked, we've asked them to carry a burden they should not have had to bear, so perhaps we should set aside all our very important and complicated adult political squabbling and ask, what would you do? No, Mom. It might, not, it might fall to us to lead the way, but you have to support us and encourage us. He surprised me with the strength of conviction in his voice, but as the saying goes, out of the mouths of babes. In his words, I heard both a challenge and hope. He didn't put it this way, but here is what I heard. No, Mom. I reject your despair, your assertion of failure. It isn't over yet. No, Mom. No matter how old you are, no matter how little you've done up until this point, even if you have previously thrown up your hands and said there's nothing we can do, you can still do something now. No, Mom, we can't do it alone, nor should we have to. There's still a place for you here, right behind us and beside us. In fact, we don't need to ask our children what they would do. Tens of thousands of youth and young adults across the nation are already speaking, yearning for us to rally behind and beside them. Matthew 19, 14 says, But Jesus said, Let the children come to me, and do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. The disciples tried to stop people from bringing children to Jesus, but Jesus said, But Jesus said. Mark 10, 14 says, But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Whew, my fifth grader understands indignance for sure. Do not stop them, Jesus says. They understand the kingdom of, of heaven better than you adults. Yikes. The next verse came like a challenge, a warning even. And furthermore, if you want to experience the kingdom of heaven, you must see it as a child would. Well, what does that mean? Innocent and pure, perhaps? Maybe, but perhaps not in the way we think of those words. A child is not born jaded and cynical. It's a learned response to the damage we all accumulate by living in a damaged world, a self-defense mechanism against the hurt and pain and brokenness we all live with day by day in some fashion or another to a greater or lesser degree. But before they begin to accumulate too much of their own damage, children have a natural tendency to see things plainly. Clearly, children look at the problems we adults wrestle with and give us simple solutions, hence the expression out of the mouths of babes. Of course, we adults chuckle at that. How cute, how sweet, but we know better. We know things aren't so easy. In our years of accumulated trauma, our clouded vision, we know there are no simple solutions. We know hope is for the weak, peace is for the naive, love leaves you vulnerable, joy is a happy illusion. Wait, that can't be right. Oh, so that's what Jesus means. No, Mom. I reject your despair, your assertion of failure. Our children can look at the world and see the kingdom of heaven. Can you?
think about activists as just picketers or online campaigns for justice. But when we step back to see the broader picture, we see that activists rarely work alone. When we see a march, we see a group. When we see a protest, we see signs, plural, walking the picket line. When those online campaigns start up, there are people from all over engaging. We can't make lasting change on our own. In Luke 10, Jesus sets up a system for the disciples and gives them directions. If you really think about it, these disciples were a kind of activists. They were trying to change their world for the better, which is in essence what modern activists do. The first direction we are given is to travel in pairs. This is important for us as modern activists because when we are a lone voice, we are easy to ignore. It is the collective voice, the passionate voices speaking up to say, this is wrong. That affects change. As we move through life, it is difficult to stand on one's own. It's uncomfortable to be the only person standing up. So when we step out in faith, convicted that speaking up is God's will, we should find others who feel the same conviction and speak as one. As the text continues, it says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Reading that, initially, it sounds like Jesus is inviting everyone to an all-you-can-carry buffet. There is so much bounty that everyone is needed to harvest it. If you had asked a younger me, that was the call. Come collect the bounty that is yours. But I think it applies to other situations as well. The harvest, see, doesn't always mean the good. The harvest could be rotten on the vine, but you still have to harvest it to make room to grow new fruit. Our harvest is plentiful, and we need hands to harvest it. I think we can all think of something that needs to change, but is so big that we po can't possibly take it on ourselves. There's an old joke in which it asks how to eat an elephant. The answer to the joke is one bite at a time. And I suppose, yes, one person could eat an elephant given enough time. But imagine there were two people. They would finish the elephant much more efficiently. And the speed multiplies with the number of people until with one bite each, the elephant is eaten. Now, I don't know why we would want to eat an elephant, but I do know why we would want help with an overwhelming hurdle. The strange thing about activism in the Church of the Brethren is that it largely seems quiet. We protest peacefully, but usually quietly. Martin Luther King Jr. said, And I must say tonight that a riot is the language of the unheard, and what is it America has failed to hear? We have the opportunity to peacefully protest now to allow our cities and states and nation to be heard now, 
to avoid further violence when the language of the unheard begins to cry out. Working together is what Jesus intended for us. We were never expected to do this all on our own, or even just with God's help. We are called to work together to build God's kingdom here on earth, a place where we can all sleep safely at night, where love reigns supreme and nobody goes hungry. It seems like a fantasy, but with enough people, it is something that we can turn into a reality. We can build that world, one brick at a time, with many hands working to shape the kind of world we want to live in. Thanks so much for listening. The Dunker Punks podcast is a collective of minds that seek to lift up the voices of young people in the Church of the Brethren. Sometimes, those young people just happen to be activists. The Dunker Punks, as a group, are a kind of activists, relying heavily on the words of Jesus to find our way in the world. This episode was created by Melia Klinger, edited by Tyler North, and I'm your host, M. Gresh. Jacob Krauss creates our music, Ryan Dahmer manages production, Wichita First Church of the Brethren, Long Green Valley Church of the Brethren, Living Stream Church of the Brethren, Warrensburg Church of the Brethren, Beacon Heights Church of the Brethren, Arlington Church of the Brethren, and On Earth Peace sponsor the show. Next time, we will be guided by host Annalisa Gross and contributor Malachi Nelson to discuss BDS internship. It will also be edited by Tyler North. He's just doing an awesome job. Be a part of the Dunker Punks podcast. Can we recruit 20 congregations to sponsor Dunker Punks podcast? Our home churches are all about faith formation, and it's important to listen to what our youth have to say about following Jesus. Congregations like yours can support youth by supporting a platform designed for them to speak up. We here at the Dunker Punks podcast work to amplify those young voices of faith by giving them opportunities to start conversations and make connections using their chosen topics. Email us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org for more details, including an informational packet about congregational sponsorships to pass along to your church board. To support the podcast financially, you can ask your church board to include a $200 budget line item for the Dunker Punks podcast. You can also make individual tax-deductible donations on the Arlington Church of the Brethren PayPal site on the right sidebar of our homepage at www.arlingtoncob.org slash dpp. Were you aware that each member of the episode team is compensated for their time? By becoming a DPP partner, you can show the value of hearing from young adult voices. $150 covers the honorarium for the whole show. $50 covers an audio contributor. However, even donations as small as $5 add up when collected with other donations. And we step out in faith, knowing that God will find willing hearts to help our mission. 
Any financial donation you can make supports our young people speaking up about the issues that they are passionate about. And if you would like to be more involved, apply or recommend a young person to be an audio contributor and create your own episode. Email at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. You can record whatever is on your heart, no matter where you are in your faith journey. We are currently recruiting interviewers for our Seasoned Ministers series, which is shaping up to be a fantastic journey for us to take together. Remember, friends, you are the hands and feet of Jesus in this world, and you are loved by God. This is your host, M. Gresh, signing off.